John and I have a crazy ritual. Every King Day through the end of February, we steep ourselves in all things black history, King, every movie, every Taylor Branch book, every Eyes on the Prize, every, everything we can put our hands on. Some of you all are giggling. You do that too? Uh, it is discombobulating in a way, right? I mean, I just, you just feel sorrowful. You just feel like you're not quite yourself, which is why my pages are you know, kind of out of order right now. I'm just a tad discombobulated with my pages out of order. But there's putting yourself back in the, in the stories that we all know. We know these stories. But to watch an enactment like Harriet or to be reminded of the 50 years between King and Obama or the starkness of the events that surrounded the passing of the Voting Rights Bill, which Selma kind of told, but not fully told. But the, the, the power of innocent people gathering together on a bridge to march, and the, being met with the countervailing force, the violent, dark, evil voice of, of Governor Wallace saying no to that, and that clash of good and evil that happens on the bridge, the pounding of human bodies with batons, the breaking of skull, the crushing of limb. I mean, it's heartbreaking. And I think we watch so we don't forget. You know, we can get into conversations that feel like we're post-racial or can feel like those are faraway times. It's not that far away. Still got people marching with tiki torches telling all the Jews to go home or not take the land. You still got black folks shot in the back, shot in the arm, killed in the cars, choked on the streets. We still have incarceration rates for black men that are higher than were enslaved rates in 1860. We have not overcome. And in these moments where we want to kind of lull ourselves into it's so much better, we don't have to be upset anymore, or, I'm sorry, but multiracial politic, like this is not Jeremiah Wright's church, where he might say, you know, some really tough stuff. In this multiracial, multicultural, multiethnic place, where we want to do love for and with each other, where we are called to be in a community of reconciliation, Sometimes it's hard to even just know how to express your sorrow. Am I singing your song? Anybody? Like, we have done so much on this. But not so much. Not so much. I mean, we still have a huge population of African-American people who live in poverty. We still have a huge population of African-American people who are targeted by broken window policing and by their jobs and by their employers. We still have a giant rising mass of anti-Semitism and anti-Islamophobia. We still have women's rights not honored. I mean, it is not as though we have done the thing. Well, we've reconciled ourselves one to the other. And these interhumanic fights are not new. They're as old as time. What I mean by that is, on my continent, in Africa, I'm not proud to say, 
but there can be ethnic clashes between people who look just alike, but who come from different tribes. That's what, that's what the genocides in Rwanda have been about. On your continent, European friends, Irish Catholics going to fight with Irish Protestants because what? They have a different feeling about the Pope. And if you go back further than that to the text that we're talking about today, ancient Israel, if you will, where 10 tribes decide to make, make a stand here and two more decide to break away, right there in that place where all of the people are Semites and all the people look alike, they're going to fight about who's their father and what land is theirs. Fighting, warring, battling for something like territory and belonging and space in the name of God. In the name of the God that they create. In the name of the God created to be on their side, to be in their pocket. The God who is their projections. Are you with me? Like I get to create a God that is good like me, kind like me, lovely like me, but I also get to create a God who is all of the things that I believe the God should hold. I, I, God is an enemy of my enemies. God is going to slay the ones who don't look like me. God told me to take the land because I was promised it and to kill the people in it. And then that chosenness narrative right, which, which is problematic and humanly shaped, hello, that, that problematic narrative gets hijacked in by Europeans who decide they're the new chosen ones, and then they get to get on boats and go across the land and take the land from the indigenous people, and here we go. Suddenly land exchanged for 27 trinkets. A whole couple of people, you know, in just killed and marched off in the trail of tears. And then, because we're chosen, because we've hijacked the problematic narrative, we get to take black bodies off the soul of Africa and bring them here to build the land, the stolen land. Do you see how screwed up that is? All in the name of God. All in the name of our worst projections, our worst fears that we, my therapist friends, <laughs> project out onto this holy other and pray to that holy other. And it's older than that, but that's what Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about this place where the people of God decide to create a God that's on their side, and then the name of that God, sacrifice, sing, praises, burnt offerings, put some cows on the, you know. Can you help me, babe? My water. <coughs> put some cows out on the thing, some turtle doves, and we've appeased the God who we created. And what do we expect? We expect that God to be on puppet strings that we pull. We think we can manipulate God with our prayers, with our fasts, with our sacrifices. That's what Isaiah is talking about. We forget God is God. We're not God. God is God. And we think we can manage the world and manage our God with our stuff. Are you with me? And what Isaiah is saying in this text, been told by God to lift up his voice like a shofar, like the ram's horn that my Jewish family knows are a call to prayer, a call to action. Lift up your voice, Isaiah, and call the people back to truth. It feels like Isaiah is talking about fasting and 
Sabbath keeping. And because it feels like he's talking about fasting and Sabbath keeping, we kind of can keep ourselves out of that. He's not talking about me because I don't fast anyway. Or he's not talking about me because I do keep the Sabbath. But in fact, those are just symptoms of the problem, right? And the problem is this kind of religiosity where we think if we say the right prayers and make the right alms and bow at the right time, and say the fancy words, if we think we do all of the right religious-looking things, we don't have to have a transformed heart. And if we don't have a transformed heart, all we're doing is scratching the surface of this. It's, 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 it's for play. It's for play. And, and the worst thing about it, the worst thing about it is this kind of quid pro quo thing. Like we... Yes, that's meant to catch your ears. Like, we, we feel like if we just bargain with the holy, then we expect to get what we want. And what too many of us want as we raise our hands and try to touch the holy air and say sort of hallelujah to the orange one who shall not be named at, at evangelical gatherings, Hallelujah, orange powerful one. As we make that one our God, somebody say amen, it's okay. As we make that one our God, we are out of whack with the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Leah, Rachel, Mary, Moses, King. If you, the text says, Feed the hungry. If you clothe the naked. If you take care of your kin, which is all the people. If you love your neighbor as yourself. If you take care of the disenfranchised and center those who are on the margins. If you disrupt the hierarchy and the white supremacy. If you slay the God you've made and get back to me, then I will hear your prayers. Then you will spring up like a watered garden. Then I will not only change your nature, I will change your name. You will be called repairers of the streets to live in. You will be called restorers of the breach. You will be called fixer-uppers. You will be called change agents. Hmm? You will be called healers of the world, tikkun alum. And so what's happened? What's happened is time after time after time after time, God's people out of fear or insecurity create a God in their own image. And when the God of whiteness becomes our God, we have a giant theological problem. <laughs> To quote my friend Ruby, even white people don't always believe white people can be redeemed. <laughs> Somebody ain't saying amen to that. <laughs> so, so what we've got is a projection of a God that is white, which robs white people of power to be different, to be changed, and creates a context in these United States of America where all of us are living in pre-described 
places of hierarchy and position, and there's no opportunity to escape it because we don't invite each other out of it, and we decide that this is the world that we're going to live in. So it's King Day, and I, I know I'm supposed to quote him a lot, and I'm not going to. I want to say it took more than Dr. King to bend the moral arc of the universe toward justice. I want to say that he was part of a Southern freedom movement that involved mamas and daddies teaching their children to take risks. It involved singing songs of freedom. I love everybody in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. I love everybody in my heart. And I'm not going to let you make me hate you. It involved nurses and, and candy stripers and house cleaners deciding not to get on a bus and to walk. It involved young people catching a vision from Dr. King but making their own organization called SNCC. It involved people gathering in churches, not pastors gathering in churches, people gathering in churches to make strategies and tactics to change the world. It involved a young man named Jimmy Jackson who, who was a Vietnam War vet who protecting his grandfather and mother was shot in the stomach and beaten still until he died. But his sacrifice bends the arc toward justice because the outrage that God's people who felt caused them to mobilize themselves to make the Selma March happen. I'm connecting dots. And the Selma March happens the first time on a Sunday, bloody Sunday, right? All of God's people marching peacefully for freedom. And what happens? Met with violence and state troopers and batons and crashed, crushed bodies. John Lewis, so much so, when did his brain, who knows, right? But again, that picture goes into the world. The picture of innocent people clashing with hatred. And what happens? Dr. King makes a call out to clergy and lay people all over the country. And you end up with James Reeves a Unitarian Universalist preacher coming to the march and being a martyr. I don't think we have to die to make a movement, but I think something has to die. I don't think we have to die to make a movement, but we might have to be willing to. To die to the false sense that we can be anything without each other. To, to die to the false sense that we live on an island by ourselves. We have to let die the lie that we can function without company. We are inextricably connected. I am because we are. We might have to live to that and die to isolation, die to individualism. We might have to let die patriarchy. We, we might have to let die our sense of what power is and start thinking about a new way to bind our lives together with love. These are the hot mess times. These are the times when those of us who are progressive and feel like we've done all the right stuff, look at the evidence before us on the national scene and see more vile talk and anger, more 
violence toward people in civic spaces, more disregard for American citizens in Puerto Rico, disregard for children in cages because it's not in the news, disregard for women's bodies and women's lives and their ability to make their own decisions. This time calls for a revolution, a revolution of values, a love revolution, a revolution that remembers that what will change the world we've created is for us to let the God we've created die and get back to the real one. There is a God who created us out of love, in love, for love. There is a God who loves us so up close and personal that she will part the seas for us to go through to liberty. There is a God who gives us each other for sustenance and well-being. A God who's put enough resources on the planet for all of us to have more than enough to survive. There is a God whose name is love, who is power beyond our imagination to heal what is broken, to bind up what is crooked, to lift up what is low, and to e equalize the playing field so that all of us can feel like our humanity matters and that our worth matters. Now, if we want that, then it's going to take each of us to be in this movement to bend this arc toward justice. Every day, a little something for each of us to do. To march across the bridge from hatred to love, from war to peace, from greed to sharing. to make a well and whole culture in love, out of love, for love. That's how we worship our God. And don't be saying we love God and we hate the people sitting next to us. That's just a teeny, tiny bit hypocritical. Like it's a teeny, tiny bit hypocritical to quote Dr. King on King Day and deny voting rights. To quote Dr. King on King Day and roll back civil rights legislation, it's a little bit hypocritical. I want to conclude by saying, I don't think we need another dead hero. The day before Dr. King was killed, people were not feeling him so much, right, Linda? <laughs> we don't need martyrs, we need movement builders. Though it's important to focus on the dead heroes, we need to focus on our particular call to heal this world, to make it better, to change the story, to write a new story, to make justice such a reality that when Aaron's babies grow up and they look back at this time and they say, really, Dad? They'll laugh at how foolish we were. They'll, be, they'll think it was 
silly how much we fought about unbelievably ridiculous things. And they'll be watching news stories in their civil rights, you know, canon. And those stories will have you and me in it, working for the planet, working for peace. Let's get in the story. Amen. Amen. Amen.